Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm wearing my uh, college's shirt. My college is a very weird story. I went to when I went to college, it was called Stockton State College in New Jersey, and then it became Richard Stockton College in New Jersey, and now it's Stockton University in New Jersey. And you know what? I liked it when it was Stockton State. But the funniest thing is, it was in Pomona, New Jersey, and this is no lie. In Stockton, California, there's a Pomona College. So it's just weird how things work. Anyway, that's all I have to say. We have a great show today. We have a, a very talented comic who actually I found out is a very talented painter. And uh, I love the fact, I love her, I love her posts on Facebook because they're very they're very entertaining. Our guest is Felicia Michaels. How you doing, Felicia? Good. How are you? <laughs> no, I, I was going to say, I love your posts because you, you, you run the whole gamut. Like, you'll, you'll put up your paintings. Right. Which, when did you start? I mean, you said you had You know what? I am such a hack painter. It's frightening, Steve. I started painting a year ago. And I never picked up a paintbrush. And I wrote a post about if I would have picked up a paintbrush when I was in my early 20s, my creative career would have been completely different. But like, they really love it. But they're good. They look. They don't. They don't look like like when you say I, I'm a hack. I mean, a hack is like you're looking like someone's like doing ripoffs of Van Gogh or something. Right. Yours but very- trust me, I'm a little hack <laughs> as a painter. <laughs> but I do enjoy it, and uh, it's something that the first one I ever did, I was like, wow, I had no idea. And I'm not a great. Uh, at drawing, I'm not that great, but I have a good eye because I did a lot of photography for a long time besides doing my comedy and stuff like that. So uh, it's it's really great when you find something out about yourself that you had no clue about. What made you pick up the brush? I mean, well, it's just something that it's very weird. Like people just don't sit there and go, I'm going to start painting. I mean, what, what right. made you do it? Well, honestly, my niece came uh, to live with me and she's very creative, but very uh, introspective person I hope I'm saying that correctly meaning that she didn't have a lot of output to be creative and so I took her to a painting class that my friends had went to just so she could because she moved from Northern California just so she could meet people and uh, and then I kind of secretly always wanted to do it but knew that if I found something else that I enjoyed doing that I wouldn't focus on my comedy which has always plagued my career you know but in your photography you know actually you took a picture of me um, uh-huh. me and my girlfriend at uh, Steve Scrovan's benefit at the Director's yes, Guild Theater. Yes, yes. And I was pit. I wasn't pissed, but I was like, I went on your page to see because you posted, and ours wasn't there. I'm like, damn it! But it was good because you were taking. You took some great photographs that night. Well, what's not? It, it's pretty hard not to when you're photographing such amazing comedians that you just completely respect, and you get to enjoy the show, and you get to hang out with them backstage and make you laugh, make themselves laugh, and then make the audience laugh. And for it was such a great cause, but uh, to see. Uh, when you're not actually doing comedy, but you understand comedy and you get to just hang out, sometimes that's better than going on stage because you don't have to have the pressure of going on stage, which is a great thing. Uh, but you get to really enjoy uh, the situation backstage. You know? Actually, funny, two things in that show that really uh, brought me up. I'd never really seen Dimitri Martin, uh-huh. and he was just hysterical. Right. And then I had seen Jake Johansson, but never live. And Jake, yeah. he's just a monster. I don't know how that guy's not a household name. I mean, he brought the house down. Well, in some households, he's a big name. Uh, you know what's really cool? Like, I've been doing comedy now. 30 years. I did take nine years off for kids, but now it's at the 30 year mark. And I got to start comedy in Los Angeles. I got to do comedy in New York. I got to travel uh, uh, in the first part of my career. And when I stopped doing comedy, and because I had kids, but I focused very heavily on photography and then came back to comedy, I got to start with 
the next generation of comedians. And I, so I feel like I've come up with three different groups of people. The first time was in the uh, late 80s when I got into comedy, 18, 19 years old, and to be made a regular at the age of 21 at the comedy store to come up with Sam Kinison and all that craziness and prior on stage and, you know, the, the, the insanity that was that time, uh, including all the drugs and stuff like that. And then to go to New York and to participate in a scene that was at the beginning of the alternative movement uh, with Louis C.K. and Todd Berry and Mark Marin, whom I knew at the comedy store uh, when we both started out and he was a door guy. And uh, it's such an amazing uh, thing to still love comedy and still see people who've been doing it a long time maybe never really got their due but seeing the masters that they are at it is and, amazing oh yeah it is it's so true because when i started out, i started out in probably 88 in philly and we all worked door to comedy factory outlet uh-huh. and then we would see people like you know Dom Myrera, you know he's the, the president of philadelphia when he comes in everyone loves right, him. and then right. you go to the comedy works you see wendy Lieben and kathy Labin and yes. jeff stilson and even the guys i worked with the door i mean one of the guys i worked with at the door with was adam mckay who got completely out of business but now is like the biggest director you right, know ever comedians going every yeah. which way yeah. and it's just amazing that you, you know you do you've seen a lot and it's cool because now there's all like the younger comics because i know you're still going out a lot yes i mean so that's just must be different i mean i know you wrote a really good post on facebook i was gonna say the other post i like is i, I like you you give good motherly advice and you, oh my god! Uh, you do that because it's <laughs> no. it's funny. And Steve, you call I was the on corpse. a Tinder date and uh, at a Japanese restaurant with this really handsome uh, uh, writer's agent, and he was uh, and I had poured myself some uh, uh, you know sauce, and and I go to and I go to pour him some soy sauce, and we're the same age by the way. He's a little bit older, and he goes, "That is so motherly of you." And I was like, "Really?" Because I was just trying to be polite, mother. But someone says motherly, I'm like, "What?" My my girlfriend doesn't have kids and she i'm 51 she's 48 and uh i'm the same appropriate i like to hear that it's appropriate oh yeah i'm the same way like she'll sit there it's like i call her the shoe ninja because i can Uh be home like you know and i'll put my shoes downstairs for a second and i'll go in the kitchen or whatever and then i turn around and my shoes are upstairs and i go are you serious? I go. What if? What if you gonna? What if you? That's gonna, not motherly, dude. That is a good woman. Do but, not let her go. I, there's not a lot of people that do that. But, but I'm always like, well, what if I want to go out later? And she goes, it's all right. But it's just. But she does stuff, and it's right. just when I call her motherly, she gets pissed. She's yeah, like, Don't. yeah. And she, I think it's also, not about motherly. It's about kindness. Right. So now, now, but you, you know, you're posted. You always call your kids. How would you come up with the name of twerps for the kids? I don't know because it seemed wrong to call them dickheads. Okay. <laughs> if you want, almost, you know, honestly, if that's the truth. That's good, cause, but but uh, it's good because you post that. But I, I always see there's there's different kinds of Facebook posting. You know, uh-huh. I post a lot to promote my show. I post other things. You know, I post stories. I post whatever, and you post you know you post some great stories, which I want to talk about some of them uh-huh. later. Uh-huh. But also, uh, you did post one story, and and, and it was very good because it was about when you went to the comedy store a while ago uh-huh. and you saw a female comic performer Marcella Arguello and what I liked about that post was is, and you're you're a successful comic and you're very you're admired by your peers and some of them but no a lot yeah. of them I mean, you'd be yeah. you never know yeah. it's like when we talked about Jeff Martyr you know right. every, you never know you never know everybody knows Jeff yeah. and it's so funny because Jeff you know hasn't been on stage forever and there's this place. It's a Italian and he restaurant. He was in play as a, he was a, he as was a, a national headliner. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He, was, he hosted TV. a TV show with Ringo Starr. Yes, that's right. He just saying like where you wanted to raise your kids. Uh-huh. He did the same thing. He wanted to. Raise, he didn't want to be that Hollywood dad. And if you're a comedian, you're always gone. You're right. always gone. But I got him on stage, and it's so funny. We went nice. to this Italian restaurant, 
it's the Capri in Eagle Rock. And Jeff's like, I'm the show is booked. And I just said, okay, dude, you're, I'm, you're coming with me. And he's like, uh-huh. oh, I can't, it's booked. So I send the guy a message. And I go, hey, man, here's the deal. My friend hasn't done it. Look at his work. And because that's like, you know, YouTube, right, everything, right. all your guys, all your TV appearances are there. And he's like, oh, I remember that guy. It's like people remember you. And, it, and it's, it's great because you're respected by your peers. But I like that story because you talked about the, your feeling you went in through. Because I think so many times, and you may disagree, but on Facebook, what I've noticed with comics is uh-huh. everyone just bitches. And they bitch about this person getting well, a break. comedians. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it, sometimes it's like, yeah. it's like, and it's not, it's like people who bitch about other people getting breaks and this, and it's like, if you didn't bitch, if you concentrated on your act, you probably would get that break. Well, everyone bitches, and I bitch too, but the, and, and here's, this is an interesting conversation because this morning I happened to have breakfast with Rick Overton. Okay. Uh, and we had a very cool talk about, uh, because... If you stick around long enough, you do get to the point where people start to respect you. And I try to tell, and you and you friggin' hate when you get to this point in your career. And and I've had I had success when I was younger, but I never made the grand leap, you know, for whatever reasons. But I had a lot of success in my own way. And so it, I try to tell young comics who because it. It's so frustrating when you hit about the seven to ten year mark and you're still having a hard time getting booked on the road and you want to just make a little bit of money and you love comedy and but then you get angry at it, you know, and and people are treat you like crap and people are mean to you. And for me, and I think it's okay to tell this story. When I was at the comedy store, Carrie Snow would be so mean to me all the time. And and she was like a big comic to me. She, right. You know, she's a tad older and uh, successful, and she was a writer, and she was hustled, which I was never a great hustler, but, uh, you know, I d- did okay. But, she, you know, people, like, she was just all around someone that kind of sucked to not like you and to make fun of you. And then... Uh, I used to always be dirty and there was a reason to make fun of me because maybe I got stuff because of how I looked and not really for my chops but you know what can you do so I have re uh, become acquainted with her later here and now in life through doing shows uh, that John Fugelsane and Bill Bronner do called Comedy Nation which are political shows like from the left and they have been a tremendous experience and I would have never thought in my early 20s that I'm going to be on the stage with pe- people like Carrie Snow, Rick Overton, you know, uh, Jimmy Dore, the smarty pants of comedies, you, you, know, right. you know what I mean? And through doing that show, I, uh, show I've become reacquainted with her and she couldn't be nicer to me and more complimentary and kind and we make each other laugh. And I said to her, you were so mean to me when when I was young. And she said, you know, that wasn't about you. That was about where I was at. And uh, and it was such a great gift to give someone to just tell them the truth like that. Because it's like, yeah, you know, that's how I feel, too, about comedians that I see. And that I maybe not had a great interaction when I was younger either, too, who now are the coolest people on the planet. And you see these young people struggling. And I always want to say to them. You know, you don't know how someone's going to be to you in 20 years. Because in 20 years, you are, are going to be back in the same circle again. Yeah, and, and you grow up. And that's the thing also. That's it's like right. You know, it's like anything. I mean, I know you won Star Starts at a young age. And so, mm. so no, but I mean, so, no, but, but when someone says it, it just makes me laugh. No, but so no, stupid. but, but so you had, but it, it's different when you, I mean, you're thrust for you. You were thrust in, you know, 
you were the winner of Star Search. And so you had, in the comedy world, you, uh-huh. you were a celebrity, which, you know, and when we're younger, we're not used to that. Like me, you know, I mean, I started headlining the C clubs when I was like 28 or 29, but I was in the business for like uh-huh. six years. But I think it's just different. I think, you know, people, if you get success in, in at a young age in comedy, I think a lot of times older comics get pissed at you because it's like, like the 30 year, like the people you're saying, the right, seven to 10 year. Right. And as you, as we get older in this business, I think everyone just really just says, fuck it. You know, we're just, we're comics. Not everyone. Cause the people that don't say fuck it and are still doing it, uh, mad props to them. And it's someone like Rick Overton as an example. And then we'll get back to Marcella in that story about on Facebook. Yep. Uh, he is at his prime. He's genius. He's a genius, and, and he, he is at and- his prime. And uh, but you know, he's a mature guy, just like we're all getting there, right? And getting back to the Marcella story, going to the comedy store and feeling like an outsider after you've been in for thirty years, and feeling like you have to explain to some young door guy, which is what I posted about. Awkwardly, I'm on the show. I know you don't know my name because all the young guns are out now, and and. Just letting go of the anger that that causes in you and then just shut up, go see a show, go see a young person or someone that's fucking trying to kick some doors down and respect them and be re-energized about comedy and say, I'm just glad I'm here and not sitting in my condo all fucking depressed. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> well, I, that's the thing. I, I'm actually, when I said, when they say fuck it, I mean, they just say fuck it. They don't, they don't, they're still don't come. They just don't care about how, right. the, the anger. They don't, because I think it's, yeah. matter, you get to that point. I mean, I, yeah, Rick, I mean, Rick Overton's been around forever, but it's funny now, it's like, the guy acts and so much stuff, but, and you forget when you see like, old shows Rick's been like has such an amazing like if you go to IMDB oh, yeah, and it's yeah. like you see him in just these random movies and it's always me and my girlfriend crack up because we'll see him on TV I'm like oh yeah because we met him we saw him at a restaurant one time and I'm like mm-hmm. it was the night of Robin Williams uh, memorial and me and Jeff were going right. and Rick was devastated and I'm just like she's like oh my god and like after like next few weeks she'd be watching TV and she'd be like oh my god there's that guy, you know, it's, right. just, it's fine because he's been around. We have to take a break in a second. Um, what's, what's your, do you tweet a lot? I tweet a lot at Felicia Michaels. But, oh, come follow me because I have been hanging out in the 7,000s and I'm like 7,999. Oh my God, make it 8,000. Make it 8,000 <laughs> people. Felicia Michaels. So follow her. And, and your website is uh, FeliciaMichaels.net. .net. Someone has a .com. We'll talk about that because I'm screwed that way yeah. too. People follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk and go to my website, CooperTalk.net, actually. Same thing. And if I want to buy Cooper Talk, Com. They won $4,000. I'm like, I'm not even a name. Yeah. Maybe, I give me like yeah. maybe $150. But so $4,000. It's like $3,995. And I go, how do you come up with that number? It's crazy. Anyway, we'll be back in just a few talking about uh, comedy. And you guys, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Attention all mobile phone users. Here is your chance to win free money, free prizes, receive product discounts, even have someone else pay your phone bills. All this including the world's best jokes, funny video links, inspirational quotes, and more. Subscribe now at freemobileoffers.com. There are no sign-up fees and you can cancel your subscription at any time. For more information, visit freemobileoffers.com. Once again, that's www.freemobileoffers.com. 
Sending out your resume and hearing nothing? Employers use new computerized systems designed to eliminate qualified applicants just like you. These systems are a resume black hole. Dr. Karen Gurney has a way to beat the system. Pledge $1 at changehiring.org to get Dr. Gurney's tips to beat the system. At changehiring.org, pledges go to new program development to support career changers. Visit changehiring.org. Invest a dollar. Beat the system. Changehiring.org. This just in Los Angeles, a $10 million silver giveaway event. You can check it out online. Visit www.silvergiveaway.org. Register now. You must be 18 or older. That's www.silvergiveaway.org. You must be 18 or over. You don't want to miss out on the giveaway of free silver. Call Dale now at 512-851-7977. Call Dale now at 512-851-7977 to get more details. Once again, that website is www.silvergiveaway.org. Register, you must be 18 or older. You don't want to miss out on someone giving away free silver. Find out all about it. Give Dale a call. Area code 512-851-7977 for more details. With Supershopper.org, you can post your ad online in just 60 seconds. That's fast. That means that old junk sitting in your garage can be online in less time than it takes for you to stub your toe while looking for the light switch. List your electronics, furniture, automotive, garage sales, and more. If you can legally buy it and sell it, it's on. Supershopper.org. Job postings just 25 bucks. Everything else free. That means you can post your resume, get a job, find an apartment, furnish it, sell your car, buy an SUV, adopt a pet, find a house, get a mortgage, find a handyman, sell the house, buy a beach house, buy a surfboard. Supershopper.org. Now you get it. Welcome back to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. Remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I can't get used to that music. I feel like I'm, I feel like it's uh it's it's like sort of like uh grunge meets metal but we're here with Felicia Michaels and we gotta follow her on Twitter because she needs to get to 8,000 8, followers 8,000 you bastards never follow me I mean I have a lot of followers follow Steve I never Christ. get followers they follow never follow Steve. me but anyway we're here with Felicia Michaels and uh so yeah so um now their comedy when, now it's funny when you when you got out of it well first of all what made you get into comedy I know how did you get out of comedy when did you get into comedy oh when I uh was 18 years old, I had married uh, someone, because I grew up in the army. My dad was in the army. There you go. Let's start it there. And uh, everyone I grew up with, you married army guys. That's what you did. And so uh, sometimes they didn't even finish high school. You just got married. And I married a fella, and it didn't work out, and he had a very bad temper, and I had to split. And I started being a stripper, and it uh, was uh, probably within the first, I, it was the first night I ever did stripping, I met a comedian. <laughs> what, you met a comedian? I met a comedian. At a strip club, go figure. <laughs> oh, no, never. It's so sometimes, it is my backstory, but sometimes when I tell people, I'm like, really, Felicia? <laughs> but that's my story. <laughs> And so you met this comic. Uh-huh. And, and uh, we dated, and um, uh, and then he took me to a comedy club, the Comedy Works in Denver, and I was all drunkies, because I was 18 years old, and, and this girl was on stage, and she sucked, and I was all like, ah, I could suck like her, Christ, how hard could it be? Because I was so drunk and emboldened by showing my freshy titties everywhere. And he got mad, and he was like, that's harder than you think, it's harder than just showing your tits. And then I and then he's like, you'd never have the balls to do it. And I was all like, and I'm now going to have to try to do some comedy because <laughs> that's how I was rolling at the time. And I did it. And the first night I did it, I killed. Couldn't buy a laugh for two years after. <laughs> now, what the first time you went on stage, uh-huh. what was your act about? Uh, 
it was, uh, you know, I wrote a joke because some it was some stuff about my dad. Like, uh, I think one of my first jokes I ever wrote was uh, my dad tries to be real macho. Like when I was born, because I was a girl, he told my mom, "Why don't you shove her back where she come from?" And then my mom said, "Well, that'd be pretty painful for you, huh?" It's just stupid jokes like that, you know. But so, but you, but you sat there. I had there, a very you, high voice, and it was very, you know. And you work, but you worked on your act. You sat there, and you actually wrote it, or you just. I actually wrote five minutes, and uh, and then I did it, and it was all good. And then we dated for about a a year, and I did comedy here and there. And he was already established a comedian, and then one time we we went. He got to open for Andy Gibb. Oh my God. Wasn't Andy Gibb great? And remember, he, was, he, he dated because he was cool. He was like the cool BG, and he dated Victoria right. Principal. So it was right. like he had the cool thing going. Right. So he opened up for Andy uh, Gibb, and I was sitting in the audience, and he did one of my jokes on stage. <laughs> he did one of my mm-hmm, jokes on stage, right? And so he gets off stage, and we're in the dressing room. I'm like, motherfucker, you did one of my jokes. <laughs> and he was like, no one will ever believe that you wrote that joke. And I was all like, oh, it is on. On, motherfucker. <laughs> That's the story. So then you just started getting stage time. So then, uh, then uh, I, I was obviously he's an asshole. So I have to split the scene, and then I had to leave Colorado because he was like, "You'll never do comedy in Colorado." <laughs> I've actually heard that a lot in my career as a comedian. You will never do comedy anywhere I'm around. <laughs> See, that, that's so crazy. That's it's like this. It's like it's one of these like a uh, rap battle. You know, it's like, right, it's like right. but it's female versus the male. It's you know, it's right. it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's the young kid against the older guy. You know, yeah. it's just it's weird. So I mean, it's so I mean, it's, for, to me, it always cracks up. Well, I always crack up if someone says, "You'll never, you'll never work in this town again." Right. Wait, what do you mean? You know, it's, By the it's, way, it's that's LA. our through line as comedians. What? You can't tell me not to do that. Right. That's our th- that is our through line through all comedians. That's who we are. And so... So you shot to L.A. So I shot to L.A. and I uh, started uh, pretty much in L.A. after that. Now, how did you get stage time at that? Because it was... I went to the comedy store and the first night I went to the comedy store, I wasn't 21, so they wouldn't let me in. And so I had to go strip at the airport for about nine months <laughs> until they let me in, until I turned 21. And then uh, pretty quickly, I got made a regular. Pretty quickly. Now, your act is, was dirty. Yes. Now, yes. now, was it, and for me, it's like me, you know, like when I hear old dice, shit cracks me up. I'm sorry. Right. I, it's just funny. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. I remember there was this comic in Philadelphia named Brian Whalen, who's one of the most cerebral. This guy was such a cerebral hip writer. He played the casinos in Atlantic City. And after one night, they said, you know what? We'll pay you. Our crowd doesn't get you. Yeah. You're fired. Right. But I remember him and me driving to a gig and just listening to Dice and just laughing our asses off. Because to me, dirty, when it's done right. Is uh-huh. so so funny, but dirty now. Like you see some of these guys, and and it's like no. Right. Rich Steiner talked to story about that doing a gig where he just hated the crowd because the crowd loved this guy's dirtiness, but it wasn't, it wasn't the dirty. Like I mean, when you started working dirty, what what made you decide to work dirty? <clears throat> well, I mean, you write what you know about. First of all, you have to write toward what makes you laugh, and some people have a dirty sense of humor, and that's just as simple as it can be. Uh, and for me, you, ha- you know, I was, had been doing the stripping, so uh, I was I was never a good stripper, by the way, because I, I have terrible balance. Do you really? <laughs> I have the like, worst balance. You can't work the pole? Mind. You weren't good in the pole? Well, I'm not athletic, right? So I was always the chick that just kind of <laughs> strutted around towards towards the beat of the music, not really right on now, it. Did you, did you have a stripping name? 
Yes, I went as Stevie. Stevie? Stevie. Now, now how'd you get Stevie? Because Stevie Dixon had long okay. flowing hair. So I, <laughs> I was like, I would be Stevie. <laughs> and then uh, uh, when I worked at the airport, you had to uh, dance on Apple boxes in order for it to be considered a table dance. It's just a private dance for someone. But I didn't like doing private dances, and I have no balance, and uh, sticking my vagina and booty in the air with high heels on an apple box is not my forte so i was always like the strut around be funny comedian or a stripper uh sit at the bar and just bullshit with the customers that's really you know my that was my gig like i'd get so bummed when i'd have to go and work you know on this stage because you had to go and do it to three songs and my favorite song by the way uh this is how uh much i disliked dancing to a beat and it wasn't about being naked it was about the dancing and looking like a fool is uh my favorite song was a beach boy song uh in my in my room by the I beach know, okay. boys yeah because it was at the time the sweetest slowest shortest song that you could buy on 45 because that's how they had these machines that would just take 45s that's how it went down in the 80s you know well that's funny because like, we used to go to this one strip club in new jersey and in new jersey it was very different because uh-huh. in south jersey it was they could they had to wear bikinis if they served liquor it was right it wasn't exactly that's how it is here too yeah. and uh it was just like for me, you'd hear the same songs, and it was like you know, and there was like no cream in my coffee, no tonight, blah blah. blah. And then like, uh-huh. there's a certain strip. This was like this we're talking like 1988 right. or 90. Uh-huh. And it was always funny because I always thought, man, like some of these girls must get in their car and go, I never want to hear that song again because you hear it so much in one night. Oh no, that doesn't bother me because one of my favorite stripping songs was uh, "Meat Is Murder" by The Smiths. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that one I had that one and in my room, you know, because that was like, all right, you know, because who can't who can't feel sexy during that song? You right. know, they're talking. About, and then there was the irony of "Meat Is Murder" and I'm a piece of meat, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, that's how when you're 20, that's how you feel about things. And uh, and I used to do it in my room. And the weird thing is, uh, my kids go to this private school because the ex is doing pretty good, my ex-husband. And uh, Brian Wilson's kids go to that school. And there's every once in a while I'll see them, and I have to physically stop myself from going over there to say, thank you for that that sweet <laughs> little short song that saved so many a stripper's feet back in the day. Exactly. Thank you. Don't tell them because they'll go back <laughs> in the sandbox. We don't want them back in the sandbox. So so from, from that, that gravitated from you writing dirty material, or you just felt comfortable? being dirty well i just felt comfortable because you know i had the talk down and then being at the comedy store you have to understand like in 1985 i mean it was craziness and so many drugs and you know paul mooney sam kinnison Pryor would come in and it was just uh it was a, a pretty indecent place and i had been raised in strip clubs you know for already three or four years so it was a pretty uh crazy place i have to tell you and then uh when you're that young also in the crowd let's say what do you think the average age of a comedy crowd is in a in a showcase city in a showcase club probably from the age of 24 to 35 right right right. you're 20 21 years old what what can you say that can that can appeal to people that are older than you because that is a big gap. Five years like that is a big gap in who in, in what you want to talk about. And also, and this is what I noticed also, back then there wasn't a lot of female comics. No, it, there were very few. I mean, like in Philadelphia, I think. I mean, we had Mary Ellen Hooper, and right, and right. she used to cut my hair when I had hair. Oh yeah, and her boyfriend was Brian Whalen, the guy who was a real hip guy. Oh, okay, okay. I remember I'd go to their place and she'd uh-huh. cut my hair. Uh-huh. And there was her and there was like Chris Rich and there was like three other girls and that was it. That and, was it, yeah. And it was weird because, especially back then too, and it hasn't 
completely changed but guys would be in the crowd and they'd be like they would judge like it, it basically i always found that here's the, here's the, here's how the guys judge in the crowd the guys who are dicks woman goes up they don't think she's funny right they're gonna judge her and then the guys who are dicks and if their girlfriend is laughing at a like when i was a younger comic laughing at you they think oh who the hell is this asshole she's laughing at i'm funnier than him and right. it's just so funny but because back then it must have been different because you were young and there was there wasn't a lot of female comics there wasn't a lot of female comics, and uh, you definitely played towards the man's sense of humor, you know? And for me, back in the day, um, I had more of an issue sometimes uh, winning over the crowd that looked like me, or you know what I mean? Because women get very, like... <sighs> right. And, you know, and that was in an era where that's, that's kind of how it... It is. You know what I mean? Even like women in the comedy scene, there were very few, but we apted to be unkind to each other or that's that's how you're brought in. There wasn't a lot of uh, a cooperation between the women, you know, because it's divide and conquer, which is basically how everything was for women, you know what I mean? And by the way, still is. So what's great about comedy now is that it's almost the opposite. People are very giving. People, like before it was very, you were on your own, you were isolated, you went to city to city to city to city, very rarely, other than the stable you came up with, you didn't drive a lot with other comedians. You, If you're a national headliner, you fly in, fly out, fly in, fly out, you, have, you know what I mean? You are on your own. Like I was on the road once for so many weeks, I forgot how to sign my name on a check. You know, this is pre-internet and all that, you know, it's just a, a, a big different time. There was no cell phones. You were on your own. It's so funny. I was telling someone that about you know the cell phones and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I remember because I started out outside Philadelphia. I'd do a show in Youngstown, Ohio, and we had the Thomas Guide. And it's not like now you can do MapQuest. Right. But I send them, they send the itinerary. Probably remember itinerary yeah, yeah, is this yeah. Yeah. fucking crappy piece of paper that would say what hotel you're staying in. And it's like, well, get off the 80 and take it right. And I'm thinking... I don't know where the damn 80 is in, in the middle of Ohio. Exactly. And it was, it was just different for the traveling. The traveling was really a lot different, you know. But uh, uh, that being said, you know, I have great memories from that time. Now, how long were you doing comedy until you did Star Search and won? I, honestly, probably about 10 years. Okay, so you were, in, you were doing comedy for a while. I was doing comedy for about... Ten years. Yes. And now, what was were you working a lot before, in that ten years? Um, the, the first three or four years, I don't count it as I wasn't professional. I was doing open mics. Uh, I, you know, basically that whole thing, and I was working uh, various sorry this sorry various jobs and uh, stripping. You know, so it took me like three three or four years to kind of get my shit together in order to even be able to do it. You know. Now, how did your career change after Star Search? Uh, it was instantaneous um, because I maybe worked, I was based out of L.A., maybe I middled in Phoenix a couple times, once or twice in Texas. And after Star Search, it 
propelled me into being a headliner. Now, a lot of times that's scary because I mean it's like it's always scary because if you're sitting yeah. there and you know I mean I would do headlining gigs and it's like yeah. you have to do 45 minutes yeah. well, well when you're a feature it's the cake spot it's like yeah, okay yeah. just go up okay MC is done no this you, just, you put it on autopilot you do 30 minutes and you get to leave early right. <laughs> and that's a thing but when you're headlining and when you you know I mean, you hadn't had a lot of headline experience you were doing no not spots. at all what was were you terrified that first night I was completely terrified but that's the beauty of it <laughs> you know right and, and no one gets out of it. No one gets out of that feeling of going from a feature act to a headliner without wanting to shit your pants. No one gets out of that. There is no get out of jail for free card on that. You are, that's, and that ha- that's how it has to happen. Because it is a curse if you are a middle forever too. It's not great, you know. Uh, Just if you get stuck on the road as a feature, they're not going to bump you up. Right, yeah. Yeah, if you're on the road as, as a feature for longer than seven years, you have to make a move. You have to make a move in some way. Now, I've seen you make some comments on Facebook about how club owners can be jerks. And that's just, that's uh-huh. anything. Did that change after you won Star Search or were people, because I know, believe me, the old days of comedy, I, I, mean, I used to crack up when you worked with a comic and there was always that road act would be headlining who would take his wedding ring off right. and sit by the pool with the with right. the band i mean i'm gonna say uh i know you say i say uh club owners are jerks there has been experiences as a woman where you you are working somewhere and it's not great and it's you know but then you have to weigh how much different are they treating the guys other than the you know other than certain things but i have to say the majority of club owners some some of them are pretty cool. Well, I would think. I mean, yeah. it's like anything. There's that yeah. thing, but I think it's more drastic. I'm not going to see the same behavior that you're going to see. Exactly. And, and that that's what's scary. I mean, it's the whole thing about. And for me, comedy's comedy. I mean, I you know the whole thing. I don't care. I mean, female comic, male comic. I don't give a crap. It's like when I post right. when I post my episodes for this place. I put if it's a female, it's an actor. If it's a male, it's an actor because. It's all the same. I mean, I like the term actress better. Uh-huh. I, don't, I never say it in a sexist way. Uh-huh. I always I ask the actresses, people who are like, was, once she goes, well, I'm an actress. And I always say, well, should I put actor or actor? I don't care. But I, I, that's what bothers me, I think, a lot of times with this business is the women have gotten a bum steer. And it's a matter of, and I think now comedy's more like that. I mean, I remember I used to book that show, Cooper's Angels. I think uh-huh. you did it. And it was all female comics. Right. Because there's so many good ones out here. Yes, and, quite a few. And there's a ton. And it was great. And the thing is, <laughs> It's a lot of times, I mean, the, it's, it's, it's weird because you're all comics. And I always try to say that, you know, there's, I mean, there's, there's so many crappy comics. I mean, and they're both male and female. And there's so many great comics and they're both male and female. Mm-hmm. And it always bothers me that people still put that label on it because, it, I mean, it's going to happen. But it oh, bothers being me. being a woman comic? Yeah, I hate that label right. because if you're yeah. good, I mean, yeah. if, you go, if you can go up and if you, let's say you work dirty and you do that and you kill, if you're killing... Who gives a crap for you? Boy, it's such a big conversation. I mean, when I was younger, if someone said, is it harder being a woman comic? My answer was always, no, it's hard just being a comic. Right. That's it. As I have gotten older now, so many years later, uh, it's not harder being a comic And Karen Rontowski said this to me, or wrote this on my Facebook, it's harder being treated fairly if you're a woman comic. Um, And sometimes that is true. And then Carrie Snow wrote on my Facebook, uh, it's harder being a woman comic, but as we all age, the men are having a difficulty with the ageism 
in the industry, which I think people should be more afraid of. <clears throat> because women have had to battle the rough road of being a woman in comedy and a misogynist uh, uh, career. We are more better at, at handling the ageism. You know what I mean? I think. If I see all the the people that are my age still doing it, sometimes it's almost the women that fare better because uh, we know how to do it. And they're just getting – it's just – they're maturing better at it. I mean, you know, you see, you know, you see a Wendy Liebman who's just always been brilliant. Yes, and she's yeah. still brilliant. Kathy Ladman, you know, now they're all they're they're talking about issues that back, you know, ten years. Like my girlfriend's a uh, date rape activist. Mm-hmm. You, know, you couldn't, you know, she speaks. She's been on a few TV shows. She she can talk about that now. You know, when she when it happened to her ten years ago, she was on the uh, twenty twenty and she wore a disguise because right. it, it was a different thing. And I think now as as the certain you know more of the female, uh, not issues, the things come up that mm-hmm. you can actually talk about now. I think all of the comics who before had the high talking, I mean, Kathy Lama couldn't talk about anorexia 10 years ago, but now when she talks about it, she does one person show about it. So uh-huh. I think it, I think it's good for the older, older female comics because it gives you, you guys can really be yourself now. Well, uh, that's true, but I, uh, yes, I think, thank you for saying that. And um, there are so many comedians now in their prime as we spoke of earlier men and women like rick overton or women like laurie kilmartin who is you know there are so many people that are the backbone of comedy that move comedy forward that are so prolific in the amount of work that they're putting out and don't get recognized when they walk into the comedy store by the young door guy that's trying to get into comedy you know, that's a little frustrating. Well, it's funny. I mean, what's funny? I mean. It's like, well, back to Jeff. When, uh-huh. when Jeff Martyr, who, as I said, you know, right. got couched the first time doing The Tonight Show. Uh-huh. It's been on tons of TV shows. We do this show at this pizza place, and there's this uh, young comic, and she comes in late with her friends, and she's talking. Now, there's only like six people in the audience. Uh-huh. So first of all, Jeff's shitting himself because he's going, I haven't been on stage in 15 years. Oh my God, my son's here. You know, uh, and, yeah. and so after it, and he goes up, and he, you know, he's just, he's first time on stage, and he has a whole different act, and it's funny, and I, I love his humor. Uh-huh. And after, it's just about the recognizing, he just went up to be nice and said to this young comic, he said to her, she said, you know, I, I, you, know you just seem to talk to the crowd a lot. I like to see your... Uh, what your act's like. And she's, he told me this the next day because I was left by uh-huh. that. And she said, she was like giving him advice about comedy. And he just wanted to say, <laughs> he goes, Coop, it took me any, from anything just telling yeah. her to shut the fuck up because it's true. These people, yeah. they should know these comics. I mean, you know, you, when you were in LA, you were seeing Kinison, you knew who they were. Me in Philly, you knew who these comics who came by. And it was just, we, I think we studied it more but and we appreciated it, it. Also, that's a great point, be vice versa in the fact that now these Comedians like Jeff Martyr and myself uh, four or five years ago when I came back in and a lot of people that are still hanging out, older people, and I'm just going to say it, fuck it, older people, that they have no interest in seeing anyone younger. It goes the same way where I'm around people where I'm just like, you need to go and, and hang out in some clubs. Like, especially they're calling me like, how'd you get on stage? How'd you get on stage? Well, I'm fucking wanting to hang out at the club, motherfucker. That's how you get right. on stage. Like, you got to go to the club. You know what I mean? You can't get your panties in a wad. There's major sitcom stars that are begging to get on at the Laugh Factory, you know, that were huge 10 years ago. You got to go and hang out at the club. 
<laughs> well, it's true. It, yeah. it sounds like Chris Brock. You got to hang you at the club. You got to hang out at the club. I don't know why I said got stuff, but there you go. But it's got stuff. Yeah. So now, now you, you left the business and to uh-huh. raise your kids, which right. is a valiant thing to yes. do. And now, that- <laughs> by the way, as I was driving over here, I thought to myself, wow, being a mom really just is my day job. <laughs> <You know? Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, when you left, did you miss it that first year? Or mean- No, I, I was so, when I left comedy, was the same way when I left Colorado, the place where I started comedy and I started stripping. When I drove past the state line of Colorado, I turned around in my little 1972 golden Honda Civic that had the rusted floor about, uh, the floor was all rusted out. I bought it from, remember Jeff Allen? I think it was Jeff Allen, comedian. Anyway, I turned around and I gave the state of Colorado the biggest finger like, fuck you, Colorado. You know what I mean? And when I left comedy, I pretty much did the same thing. I was why were so you, sick of it. Why were you so sick of it? Because like everyone, when you're in it for a while, I was in it for about, uh, honestly, 20 years. But you were uh, headlining. Oh, yeah. And you were, I on, mean, you were on, Tommy, you did the Tonight I, Show. I didn't do the Tonight but, Show, but I was on Showtime. I was on MTV. I was on like every little channel you pass by. So you had success. At that time. Oh, absolutely. But there got to a point where it's like, I, you know, I'm 35 years old. Uh, I, I do want to have the experience of having a family, of raising children. And I'm not moving myself forward by becoming this angry little headliner on the road. Be, you know what I mean? You have to make the break for it. And for me, the the break for it was setting comedy aside, doing more writing, trying to focus on a better, you know, in-town set. Because, you know, you can get, when you're on the road like that, you're playing to the lowest common denominator. And I don't have a judgment against uh, crowds that are the lowest common uh, denominator, but you get to the point where you don't even want to elevate them because you're sick of it. And that's no way to be in comedy. You always want to be able to elevate your thought and hopefully elevate uh, the crowd that has come to, to see you. And even if the, by saying elevate and you just want to define it as let them have a great laugh with one idea stuck in their head somewhere. And I wasn't doing that. I was getting laughs, but I wasn't elevating myself or elevating anyone around me because I was getting so angry at comedy. Do you think you were growing growing out of your act but you didn't want to admit it? Because I think that's something that happens when you when you sit there and you've done an act for a long time and you don't want to sit because you know it. You know it's not it about growing out of your act. It's about you have to live your life in order to report on your life. And when you're on the road, you're not living your life. You're stuck in a cycle of get on the plane, get off the plane, go to the hotel room, you know, get up, go to bed uh, at 12 o'clock at night, get up at 5.30 so you can go do radio, drink a bunch of coffee so you're funny on the radio, get home around 10.30, try to get a nap, but you can't because you're all caffeinated up, (laughs) hang out with the middle, try to score some weed, hopefully the middle brought his car and didn't fly in or take the bus, you know what I mean? Oh, then you got to eat at 3 or 4 because you don't want to eat at the club because then you're going to get a stomachache, so then you eat at 3 or 4. And then you go in and you got to do your act. And then the club owner is giving you shit. And then the middle's fucking got three jokes just like you that he probably stole from the person that actually stole the joke from you. You know what I mean? And if you're doing that for 15, 20 years, at a certain point, you're going to be like, fuck you, Colorado. I'm out of here. You know what I mean? That's that's what you're going to do. You know what I always cracked up when I would do the road is, and I don't know if you did, I would always say, like comics would always say, yeah, man, I write so much when I was on the road. I could, never, I could, never, I could never write on the road. You know who I saw right on the the road louis ck and stevie fromstein and they uh you know <laughs> that's the only exception i ever saw yeah you couldn't because you would sit there and you go and you'd sit there and you're right you, your your whole day gets dwindled or you, yeah. go, you go to a matinee and then you, sit there. 
you because like, it's all about instant gratification because you because people say oh you get paid that much per night yeah but then I got a service that hour on stage with 12 hours of traveling uh, you know what I mean not uh, uh, being present in my own life but participating in everyone else's you know? it was crazy uh, we have about a minute and a half before breaks so I want to when we come back I want to talk about uh, your comeback to comedy when you actually decided to get back on stage just it must it must have been terrifying a little uh-huh. bit and uh, but now that now you're writing are you gonna ever write a book because you write some really good stuff I'll talk, I'll talk about that when we get back. Because, yeah, I did write a book proposal, and uh, uh, it got very close. Uh, but my name just wasn't big enough, but it got very close. And it's based on uh, growing up uh, on welfare and becoming a stripper and a comedian. See, that'd be, that'd be a great book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that'd be a good... Yeah, very close, very close. And you could do a motivational speaking thing. Well, I'm actually going to turn it into a one-woman show that I'm hopefully going to put out in September. That's my big goal this year is to do a one-woman show. A lot of people are doing them, and it's great because they're, it's more than comedy, and every, all of them have a message, and I think that's excellent because I'm thinking of doing one about when I have my heart problem. Oh, yeah? And, and I'm thinking just because it's like, you know, you can change your life, and that's the thing. That's what a one-person show should be about, that, yes. that you conquer yes. and you've uh-huh. done well, and now you're going to write a book. Next thing you know, people, uh, I'll be sitting there knocking on her, her uh, Facebook message and going, hey, hey, your book's a bestseller. Can, can you come on my show? That. I don't know You about never that. know. You, <laughs> you never, never know. know. Now, now... Uh, Give your information again, your Twitter. At Felicia Michaels, please come follow me at Twitter. Don't make me beg like this because I'm one uh, person away from 8,000 Do you tweet followers. jokes or what do you tweet? I tweet jokes, but I am I'm, tweet more stuff on my Facebook, but I do tweet jokes from my Twitter and uh, I'm on Tumblr and I'm on Instagram. Love my Instagram, Felicia Michaels. Love her Instagram. Love all her Felicia Michaels. And yeah. go to her FeliciaMichaels.net. She's in the same zoo as me, man. The net people. We're net people. It's awful. We're not even .com people. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Steve <laughs> Cooper. Uh, come follow me at CooperTalk. CooperTalk.net. We'll be back with Felicia Michaels in just a few minutes. Hello, my friends. Are you looking for tacos for any event? Look no further. Okay. Super Tacos. You can hear at Super Tacos with my friends Mario and Edith. Sí, quiero tacos. Their menu includes carne asada, pollo, al pastor, lengua. It also includes the jalapenos, grilled onions, and rice and beans. I'm so hungry. If you mention the grab bag show, you get free rice and beans. ¿Qué es un grab bag show? ¿Qué? Es un bag with rice and beans. Okay, I'm hungry. Just mention the Grand Bank Show and just get the free rice and beans. You can call Mario 626-487-4068. That's Mario 626-487-4068. Super Tacos. Muy bueno para la quinceañera. You can do it. Call Super Tacos at Mario Needed 626-487-4068 for any taco catering event. Super Tacos. For 10 years now, the Indie Bible has helped thousands of independent artists gain more exposure for their music. The 10th edition features 4,200 publications that will review independent music and 3,400 radio stations that will play independent songs. It also includes hundreds of labels, distributors, and digital download sites. Over 9,000 contacts in all included are 50 helpful articles written by music industry experts. The Indie Bible shows musicians where they can get their music reviewed, their songs played, and their CDs sold. For details and to order online, Visit www.ndbible.com. Remember abundance. At Shakey's Pizza, don't cut back. Cut loose with our all-you-can-eat bunch of lunch. Now just $6.99. Less belt tightening. More belt loosening. Shakey's all-you-can-eat bunch of lunch. Now just $6.99. 
Have you heard of PrankDog.com yet? They're a new hot phone prank greeting company. PrankDog.com. As Barack Obama calls to sound like more Obama than Obama. This is a lot of fun. You have to check it out to see what that means. My fellow Americans. PrankDog.com has wake-up calls, happy birthday calls, interactive calls, customized calls, free ringtones, etc. Go to PrankDog.com and click on send a free phone greeting. PrankDog.com. Go ahead. Get in trouble. Hello? Welcome back to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest, and we're here with Felicia Michaels. And we're going to talk about how her she came back to getting back on stage. And uh-huh. you, you took nine years off. I took nine years off because okay. of my kids. And uh, I did a lot of photography back in, uh, at that time. And Now, when did you start the photography? Because I've seen you. You're a very good photographer. When did you start that? Um, I started that when on the road because uh, uh, you have a lot of time sometimes to kill during the day. And I was working all these, you know, really crazy places down in the south and stuff. And I was like, you know, and I'm going to take a photography class in a couple of weeks that I did have off once and uh, bought a camera. And I, uh, my mother was always into photography, but I just loved it. And then I started photographing comedians backstage. And uh, I'm so glad I, I did that. So I have this amazing collection of very intimate moments uh, 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 on a project that I worked at. And it actually won a prize in Paris for um, photojournalism. So, did, did, yeah. you go, did you go to the awards? I did not. But you got a yes, prize. but I got a prize. That's all that counts. Yeah. So now, at what point in your nine years away did uh-huh. you sit there and start thinking, I might want to get back into comedy again? Well, I was doing so much photography back at that time, and I was working as an assistant at a digital capture firm and, like, uh, uh, all this kind of stuff. And just the realization uh, through being around a lot of uh, people in the digital community, understanding that Instagram and uh, phones, were that things were going to start changing. Just understanding that, that that was, even though that came way later, but just understanding that was changing. And then I got divorced, and I just was sad that I didn't have a voice of uh, to talk uh, to have an outlet and a voice to what the experience I was going through, which was very hard for me, as most people when they go through a divorce. So you sat there and you said, "Okay, I'm getting back on." Then, yeah, because um, well, the the thing is, going back to the through line of you can't tell me I can't do anything. My ex husband is one of the biggest managers in the business, <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Fuck that guy and him, <laughs> him having a dalliance with one of my closest friends. I'm going to get back into comedy and show him. And uh, <laughs> and there you go. So how do you go? I mean, because it's funny because when I got back into it and I had been away for a long time uh-huh. and I didn't know how to get back into it. And my friend owned this little Italian restaurant in Burbank and I didn't, all the acts I knew, I'm like, I'm not going to call Keith Robinson or Paul Tompkins. You know, Keith was living out here at the time and he, right. he called and he, me back. And, and he eat goes, the big turd in front goes, of them, right? Goes, or, or just have yeah. him, hey, can you come do the show? He's like, no, man, my manager will kill me if I do a little Italian <laughs> restaurant in Burbank. <laughs> yeah. I'm, on, I'm announcing the Wanda Sykes Hall right. and Paul F. Tompkins isn't going right. to come out and do it. Yeah. They're, they're the only comics I knew. They had a, uh, some success uh-huh. so I didn't know how to, where to get comics so I put an ad on Craigslist you did? I didn't know right. and, and I sat there and oh my god I got some weird ass comics and people like ventriloquist acts and this stuff and people would like I had never seen comedians calling themselves like 
Comic Joey or like just in their name. I was, right. I was just, and it was crazy. Now, when you got, how did you get, how did you start getting back on stage? Did you call some of your old contacts, the people you knew, and said that I want to get back up, or how did that work for you? Well, when I got divorced, <clears throat> of course, all the comedians uh, that I'd been hanging out with, uh, most of them were clients of my husband. They, they, he got all the comedy friends, so because they're not stupid, and uh, uh, so I had one or two uh, friends like Alan Steven. And uh, and then I uh, uh, started hanging out with him a little bit more. I hadn't really hung out with him in a while. He was an, uh, a friend of mine back from the day. And then uh, I uh, ran across Joey Diaz. Okay. And uh, who's just blown up? Now. Oh yeah, Joey's a very funny guy. And then he uh, uh, said, "Hey, if you ever want to get together and write, why don't why don't we write?" And I was all. I was all like, well, you know, Joey Diaz was like, well, okay, that's that's weird though, you know. And then it turned out when I was a headliner in Denver back in the day, he was just a struggling uh, comedian who had just gotten out of prison, and he was at the Comedy Works. And uh, weirdly, while I was getting paid one uh, time from the manager at the Comedy Works, I I was like, because uh, he opened, uh, he was the opener. I said to the manager, that kid Joey Diaz is pretty funny. You should give him more stage time. And apparently, I guess he got. A lot of stage time after um, I left. I didn't know. He's just being nice and moving on. That's why you should always be nice to everyone if you're on the road now because it comes back and exactly. it can be a tremendous bonus to you. And then we started hanging around Joey and I, and then uh, we started a podcast called Beauty and the Beast, which did quite well. And we did that for two years. Got nominated for a podcast award along with Nerdist and What the Fuck, and uh, uh, didn't win though, but uh, and that lasted for two years, and now Joey has his own podcast, which is a smash success. And but that being in that circle, you know, and and I took a class. I took Lisa Sunstead Pretty Funny Women class because I knew how comedy worked. That's the bonus of coming back into something. How does comedy work? Well, when I wanted to do photography, I took a class. You know what? I need to meet the people who are coming up now because you're you're not gonna like you said you're not gonna call your right. he, the friends that you do know that are huge or that are now your ex-husband's clients, you're not going to call them and say, hey, blah, 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 blah. you know what I mean? You're Can, you get me six? Can you get me six at the, uh, at the pizza place? Yeah, yeah you're not going to do that. <laughs> so then I went and I uh, took that class and I met all these young uh, women comics in their 20s and I, and then that's how I got into, that's how I really got into the open mic scene back into LA's open mic scene. And uh, I mean, that's that's how you do it. You it's great be, though. You want to be a comic, go stand next to the comics. That's now, how you get it done. Did you change your act? I mean, well, how? I mean, how did you? Yes, not consciously, because what I find funny now is different from when I was in my twenties and thirties. You know, and uh, what I find uh, funny now has matured, and and uh, I'm still can be very dirty, but uh, now I'm more interested in you know uh, what's going on. I have kids. You know, I have a stake, so I want to talk about. Uh, a little bit politics. I want to talk about having children. I want to talk about um, being uh, a single woman with my family. I want to talk about uh, enjoying internet dating and <laughs> sucking some dick as I'm being a single woman trying to raise some motherfucking kids. You know what I mean? Okay. Now, now, now. You said Tinder. Uh huh. Now, what's the whole? What did Tinder's? What is Tinder? Oh my God! I know, I know it's like some site. But no, I know, I know, Steve. No, I don't. <laughs> you really? Do, it's an I, app. I know what it is, but I, I, I know yeah. it's an app. But right. I thought it, I thought it was just a hookup site. Like, hey, I'm uh, I'm in Burbank. It's eight o'clock. It can be I'm that. near IKEA. Right. And, uh, it can is be anyone that. living in this yes. area? Or? It, can, it can be that. Absolutely. But I I you know the people that I'm hanging out with it's. Uh, 
uh, it's just like a regular dating situation, you know. I hear there's girls that are on it though that are a little professional. That's that. I hear guys get tricked into that. Tricked into. <laughs> they, they actually, but you know, this is something I read about. I, I knew when I was in restaurant marketing, I talked to some of the Glendale police, and they were talking about how Craigslist, when how the women set up their prostitution uh-huh. thing, yeah. they say how many roses they want, and that means that's how much money it is. There's like a code. There's this own right. code. It's like I'll take uh, 15 roses, which means like 150 dollars for a right. hand job or something. Right. But it's crazy. So now, now, <laughs> what is it like? Well, what's code for hand job? That's where that goes all downhill. I don't know. Probably hand. Because but there's a handy market in Burbank, <laughs> so right. I can't be. Handy. Andy. I was sex these people with rubber gloves when I walk in there. Um, now the dating. Now, then they know you're a comic. Is that has that changed anything? And plus, do they ever find like old YouTube things of you and say, "Hey, man, I saw you here." Or is that it must be oh, weird. Oh yeah, you know what? It always cracks me up because because this is when I do online dating because I have a little bit of a lighter voice, right? And when I was younger, it was super light, but it sounds more heightened if I'm being recorded like this probably sounds a little bit higher actually it doesn't oh good good uh, all the marijuana i've been smoking has been helping uh i'm totally kidding not really uh but i don't like talking on the phone because i am very self-conscious about my voice on the phone because it does come across a little bit higher i think and i've scared off a couple guys who are like i want to talk to you on the phone and then you talk to them and they're like wow you're 14 years old you know what i mean and so <laughs> Uh, but then when people Google, because all you got to do is Felicia Comedy, and I did Playboy, so all the titty photos come up. You know what I mean? So all those come up. So, but then it's kind of nice, too, because, you know, uh, I'm awkwardly aged now, and then it's like, that's right, I threw it down when I was 29, motherfucker. You know, so it's, it's but it is a weird thing, too, knowing that uh, they might have seen that, or they might have seen a joke I did about sucking some guy's dick in 1992, you know what I mean? Where <laughs> they're like, whoa, what the, what kind of freak show is this, you know? Or they hear me talking on someone's uh, program like this, and they're like, wow, I can't bring her around my children's. So yeah, that's awkward. But are you enjoying dating now? Is it weird? Yeah, it's not, you know, I it's, uh, I have intimacy issues. It's confront. It's made me have to confront that I have intimacy issues uh, and that I am a, uh, uh, I have 85% of my kids, uh, custody of my kids, 85%. And I don't want to be the type of mother that's going to, uh, that they witness 85 uncles going through the house. Right, right. So I've been very hesitant about bringing anyone over. And also, too, like, you know, it, it, when you get to a, a point where you're, uh, uh, have grown and you're mature and, and what you want in your life, it's like, yeah, I'm, I don't want to be in sweatpants with pizza stains on it, washing the dishes, yelling at my kids in front of the next man that I want to love as deeply as possible. I just want to get my kids done, and then I want to be able to focus my attention on someone in that way you know so so when you're in in that position as a woman or as a man at this point in life you know you're with someone for a year and a half and you're like well is this going to be marriage or is this you know what is this going to be if it's not it's okay if we shake each other's hands and bid each other a fair adieu and uh and move on you know well what yes you're gonna say something no i was no well we gotta wrap up i just want to thank you for coming on and mm-hmm. it's great to have you back. And I uh, give all your info again so people can. Yeah, follow me at uh, Felicia Michaels if you didn't find me too annoying. Uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and on my Tumblr. Do you put a lot of Instagram photos up? 
Oh, I, well, I love photography. So good. I'm, so, yeah. I'm going to follow you now, too. I'm going to yes, follow you. Yeah, okay. I'm a big Instagrammer. So follow her, people. You got to follow her. Also, follow me at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. Um, it's over 360 episodes up there. Uh, next week, I have all TV writers. I have Fief Sutton, who wrote for Cheers. I have uh, Lisa Campanera, who wrote for SNL and a bunch of other stuff. And John Ridgey, who uh, wrote for 30 Ooh, Rock, who's brilliant. Nice. And it's all it's all, com- it's all commenters. In the next few weeks, I should be having uh, the two of the original members of the Circle Jerks and I have the bassist Chris Wise of the Cult and uh, also go to my website coopertalk.net as I said but go to my other website stopthesalt.com stopthesalt.com that's the uh, cookbook I wrote after I got out of the hospital I had to change my diet it's called Stop the Salt Low Sodium Cooking for One Without Killing Yourself it's 120 recipes and they're easy recipes there's no pictures because you know you get intimidated when you look at a cookbook and you see the pictures and there's limited ingredients because, as I said, I love to cook and I have a lot of spices at home, but I'll look at some ingredients and there's like spices I've never heard of. It's like, I have to go get tahini now. And I end up not cooking it. So go to that website, stopthesalt.com. You can buy it there for $9.99 with $3.99 shipping or you can find it at barnesandnoble.com or Amazon. But buy it from me because I make more money. And if you want, I'll sign it. So just go there and it's uh, you can find the website, stopthesalt.com. So follow Felicia Michaels. Follow me at Cooper Talk. Listen to me on iTunes and Stitcher. And that's about it. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, keep listening to Cooper Talk, and you guys have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.